This is Coda Radio, episode 307, recorded April 30th, 2018. Hey everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and its related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris. While that's great and all, it's not what really matters. No, folks, what matters is our host. It's Mr. Michael Dominic, and he's located in the one and only Florida. Hello, Mike. Hey, Chris. Hello. Well, what's the matter? Well, you know, I wanted to see a young woman in August who, shall I say, has a big reputation. She sure does. And yet, I do not have the capital uh, to afford the snake lounge. Mm, and what's the point if you can't have the snake lounge? I guess I'm not going to be her endgame. I'm, of course, referring to Taylor Swift. The one and only Tay-Tay. Longtime fan you are. Florida. Yes. Inspiration of many a late night projects too. Funny enough, as it as it turns out. <laughs> yeah, let's just uh, we'll move on. Yeah. We're good. We'll move on. We probably shouldn't say much more. <laughs> All right, Mr. Dominic. Well, it's good to be. I feel like I haven't talked to you in so long, so it's just super good to talk. I to you. know. I, I feel that we have fallen into the void somehow. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, we get detached. You know, if we don't talk over the podcast, I just end up following your Twitter feed, and you know where that leads to. That leads to Sarah Swisher yelling at me. Well, eventually, yeah. First, first though, it leads to us talking about some of our topics today. Mike and I have decided it's time to come clean. We'll have a little coder confessional. Uh, we like to do this from time to time, um, despite uh, your preference listening. And it's really... We don't care at all. That's what I think. <laughs> Super clear. Keep sending those Reddit posts. Keep upvoting them. Yeah. No, that's fun. this is why this is why the good podcaster invented chapter markers, my friend. Is uh, there we'll, you go. yeah. Now uh, you and I both have just had two very different experiences over the last couple of weeks. So uh, a week ago we had Linux Fest Northwest. A week before that, Noah comes into town, and like like a wrecking ball, Noah comes in here, and uh, we formatted every single PC. We reloaded. Every single operating system. So sitting in front of me right now, that includes one, two, three, four, five systems in this room alone that were wiped, reset up, and everything we've learned in the last year was put into these systems. And uh, it was a big shift for me, a big transition, a big jump, and it's been really good so far, but I'm still in that early phase. And you just got done doing sort of a similar thing. Yeah, so first of all, I hate you. Sure. You were correct. <laughs> it didn't, your it didn't work, did it? Your prediction 305. Didn't, didn't last long, huh? That some bit would flip, a flip-flop would just not quite get out of its position, and I would see a blue screen and throw flip my shit up on Windows 10. So the Windows 10 experiment had lasted two weeks? Two weeks. So... And of course, at the same time, I'm watching all you hippies at Linux Fest Northwest, <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, there's Emma. She's flashing all those Pop! OS uh, USB drives. Yeah, they're cool. Huh, 1804. Huh, I have two USB drives on my desk. And now, 
all of my machines but the MacBook we're recording on because I didn't have time to set up a recording rig on Linux now run Pop! OS 1804 with Windows and a VM for various visual speakers. Oh, 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 really? So you went all, you went full Pop! OS, VM, Windows. Full the pop- only time I have turned on my MacBook is to talk to you today. <laughs> now, what was, uh, do you, do you uh, have like a specific moment that was like the, the straw or was it a collection of things? You know, I, it's weird, right? Because I, I know sometimes the listeners think I just like to bash Windows, which is not the case. I just don't like it. Um, and it's pretty clear to me from my tweets at Paul Therott that neither do the Windows people. <laughs> so, so I really can't care more than you guys. Yeah. And I kind of like Pop! OS. I mean, I've made no secret of my general like of System76 for lots of reasons, including they're going to start manufacturing products in Colorado, which I think is great. Um, I like Linux. They're offering an LTS, a stable version based on Ubuntu. Everything I target to deploy to, with a few exceptions, is a Linux Ubuntu server. So, you know, it makes sense, right? Like the, it, it, It's tough to... I'm not doing a lot of iOS anymore. I'm not... I'm not a super big gamer, right? I have a two-year-old, so the whole gaming thing kind of went by the boards. Um, All right, but I, give me, give me, give me some meat here. So far, I got, I got an appetizer, but right. what is it? What is it that? So you, this is like you're coming back here. You're circling back. What is it about Pop OS that is appealing to you over GNOME? And I'm asking you from like well, GNOME, what makes right. you right? Well, I mean, just stock GNOME on, or not stock oh, GNOME, okay. but Canonicals GNOME. Um, right. From the standpoint of I'm going to sit down at this thing and I'm going to do my work. What is it about Pop OS that's appealing you in in that's very like kind of specific? Like I enjoy using this. Can I? That's what I'm grokking. Is I enjoy using this, so I'm I'm more likely to sit down and work. It, it, it almost it's it's like this weird, untangible thing that makes you more productive. Am I getting the right read here? And what is it? Well, there's a couple of things. I was working in Unity for a while, right? At least half or part time. Um, I think Pop's implementation of GNOME is maybe less different than Unity, although I did also put GNOME 3 on that machine and use that. Um, I like the Pop Shop. I know it's a dumb thing, but like it has the Visual Studio, Slack, and the basic stuff of my tool chain already in there. Um, I actually like the UI. I know people complain that it's pretty bright. And frankly, because it's based on Ubuntu, I get... It's the same under the hood as my deployment target. So I don't I know that's not really the me. Why pop? Well, my laptop is a System76 machine. Um, and if it wasn't pop, it would have just been stock uh, 1804, right? Well, Canonical 1804. I'll tell you, there's a couple things that they're doing in it that uh, don't directly speak to me, but I think could be appealing to someone like yourself. Um, and Carl tweeted you about this, uh, but they put a lot of work into that installer. And one of the things that, uh, Ian at system 76 was telling me while I was barbecuing was they have really cut the boot time down on that pop OS. Um, and they've really, really cut down like a lot of like the repeated tasks that you have to do when you're setting up a new system, like, uh, like the installation process can be done on a, on an MVNE system with a good processor could be done in just a couple of minutes. Your install finishes in just a couple of minutes. And then it brings you through a post-installation process where you can set up encryption and accounts and stuff like that. And it's, it's slick. They're doing a really good job there. And the pop shop, like you mentioned is a collaboration between them and elementary OS. 
uh, and it's pretty nice. They have some custom artwork that they've done in there, some banner yeah. images and whatnot that aren't in any other distribution. And lastly, and I think maybe the most appealing, they are implementing a recovery partition process, which I don't really understand why other Linux distributions don't do this. SUSE did this back in the early 2000s. And what it essentially is, it's just like on a Windows machine that you get from Dell. Dell back. Yes. And you can recover without having to get an ISO, without having to write a USB disk. You can boot into that environment and get your system back up and working again. And um, that seems like a pretty nice feature that really is, I think, driven by the fact that they get support calls on their hardware and they have well, an idea. It's a cost cutter for them. Yeah, right. right. They have yeah. an idea of the things their customers are struggling with and so they can add something to Pop! OS that other distributions don't really have an insight into. And that's starting to get interesting. Yeah, I feel like, you know, a lot of my, my affinity for Pop! has to do with, I see it as inherently more... Not inherently, but theoretically in the future, it's going to be more tightly integrated with their hardware. And and I I know they would not appreciate this label, but really Apple as they ought to have been, right? Like it's Linux, it works with their hardware. You know, like one thing, and I know they didn't do this, um, just 18.04 has a newer kernel. My AMD graphics card on that dumb Dell thing oh, right. works out of the box, yeah. no problem. And I didn't <laughs> yep. have to do any crazy, like, compile this from source. And, of course, I can do that because I have to compile my own stuff all the time. Yeah. But I don't want to, no. right? It's part um, of why the recovery partition works. It's, it's really well, kind of about getting right. back up and running as fast as possible. Right. Multi-monitor just works. Um, high DPI works. Because I have a 4K monitor connected to the machine. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a solid system. You know, I, I do worry about a few things in pop. Like it, it is not super clear where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a lot of pretty work on the installer, mm-hmm. but I find that kind of odd because mm-hmm. you, you install for like five minutes cause it's very fast install. Right, right. And then you work in it for, you know, months or a year or whatever. This is the point I brought up to them. I said, guys, um, if things are all going right, customers are buying System76 machines with it already installed, and if they're having to reload their OS a lot, isn't that a bad sign? Why all of the effort on the installer? And they were kind of cagey, but I think it's two reasons. The first reason that they're totally 100% upfront about is we feel like it's initial impression thing. You know, you try out Pop! OS, you've heard of System76, right. you try it, you go, holy shit, this is like one of the best installations I've ever had on Linux. This is this is so great, I'm going to go buy a laptop. I don't well, know. They, it's, it's, it's one of the prettiest installs I've ever Yeah, right. if that yeah. translates to laptop purchases, I don't know. But you know what? It's an interesting experiment, so let them have it. But the other thing that they're not really saying, but it's kind of obvious with all of the way they're positioning this, is I think they want Pop! OS to be bigger than just System76 hardware. Oh no, it works out of the box on my Dell uber workstation why not why not and if you think about it it could be really great to unify a business environment like yourself so you got some system 76 rigs you got some dell rigs you got like maybe an hp specter and a nuc put pop os on all of them yeah you could do the same thing with ubuntu proper though so that's why i go back to there's got to be a nut in there like for me like with plasma it's it's like coming back to um, peak computing. I've been using this phrase a lot, and I apologize if you heard me say peak a lot recently, but it really is this for me. Um, when I close a window and then I open it the next day, it opens right back where I left it. 
And when I, when I have been, when I've been working on my machine hard all day long, everything is still super fluid. I can right click on a directory and say, open a terminal here. I can, I can, I can really use the machine the way I want to use it. And it has downsides when you have that much flexibility and power. Um, and that's mostly in the fact that you could be lost for for years in just configuring and tweaking the defaults. But if you can kind of find a balance there and find a strategy, it is, oh man, it, it, it I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, um, it, well, it's, it's balance. Right? It's, it's, yeah. Well, it's more, yeah. it's, it's just, I'm really excited. I'm really excited by a really professional workstation desktop um, environment that I can load on any hardware I want. Yeah. And so I think you hit it. But go finish. No, that's that's really it. That's the thrust of it. Yeah. So I so I think so because I didn't really have a good answer for your question the first time. I think I now understand. Like, let me doctor fill myself here. The truth is, I don't have a valid hard reason right now. Right. It could have just as easily been stock eighteen oh four. Right. Let me tell you what the reason is. If you go to their website right now and you look up Pop OS, they tell you this is for developers uh, doing AI, IoT makers. It's all marketing, and I get it. Right where I've been trying to find an Apple machine for me, and Apple's very much not saying, this is not for you. This mm. is for video editors. This mm-hmm. is for artists. And you know what? Given the choice, I'll take the one that's for me. And I get that. In a practical sense, the only like I like some of the keyboard shortcuts because I'm used to Pop 1710, and they're basically the same in 1804. But I, I hope and I believe that if this is the way they're marketing their system, they're going to continue to focus on that market, right? Um, it's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna SL it. It could one day match Snow Leopard. Well, wow. Okay. I mean, that's a high bar for you. So that's I'm gonna think about that for a second. Not today. It's not. It's not yeah. there yet. There's still some rough edges and right. things. But you know, one one thing that you gotta give them, assuming that this hardware business holds out, <laughs> uh, they can cut a check to fly somebody out there to the office to work on something. They can hire a developer to bang something out. They can retask one of their employees. Um, when, when, uh, when we first started talking about pop OS, I was, I, I looked at it from a perspective of how could a hardware company that's trying to get into a position where they can build their own stuff. They're not even there yet. They're not even off the ground yet. You know, they got to get a, they got to get inventory management figured out. They got to hire factory workers. They got to hire janitorial staff. Like, I mean, there is so much more than just building a PC that they have to learn now that some people make their entire career. And so you're telling me these people, a team of about 25, is going to launch an operating system? That seemed crazy to me. But there's a different way to look at it. And the, the, other, the other perspective could be they have way more capital and resources than a ton of other distributions out there. A lot of other distributions are built uh, off the backs of volunteers, volunteer hardware, volunteer money, with a few paid developers, uh, like in the case of Debian, perhaps. Or Arch. Look at Arch. Uh, can could, could, do they? Maybe maybe they do. Do they have the funds? Arch does. But do they hire a, a random contractor to just bang something out if they need it, or fly someone from Elementary OS out to Colorado so they can collaborate on an installer three times? I, I don't know. I don't know if they do those things. And System seventy six is in a position to finance that. Maybe not at the great extents that Apple or Microsoft or Google could, but maybe at an extent greater than. Perhaps other outfits could, and so if they can, if they can build on top of a solid Ubuntu base and 
just chip away over the next five years at different aspects, uh, they might have something here. I asked them if they're going to stick with the LTS or if they're going to track current, and they're going to track current Ubuntu releases. So they're going to have, you know, a six-month iteration window here. Right, and my understanding is you can optionally stay on the LTS. Oh yeah, maybe I don't know. I didn't. I didn't clarify. Well, maybe that. I'm wrong. Maybe they will just update it. I don't know. That see that that is something that could frighten me. I wonder but, if you would like Elementary OS when the next Elementary OS comes out, because it's even an, it's another level of refinement. I think right now because they've just think, been they've been at it for longer. So think about my needs though, right? And, and they're similar to your needs, except I don't do video editing, so I guess they're different. But like, I I like. In theory, right, this Dell is souped up. It's got 32 gigs of RAM. So this Dell is going to be fine for a long time. I will eventually need a new laptop because my Galago sounds like it's going to take off and do an airstrike. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which maybe I should just send it to them because they keep telling me something. That, to be fair, they've been good about that. And I just, I need it. So I don't want to like mail it to Colorado. <laughs> um, but I will eventually have to do that. When I'm in the market, for a new computer, if if I if Pop is working for me, let's say let's say six months in the future, I decide you know what I I want a different laptop or whatever, or I hire somebody and they need a machine. Don't don't you think the first thing I'm going to do is like call them or look on their website for a promotion and say, well, geez, I'm using Pop anyway. I know, guaranteed, this will work with them. It, uh-huh. I, I, I don't want to say the big A here, but for for my needs. And, and I, they do not like this characterization, but from the business perspective, it is Linux Apple. Because if it doesn't work out of the box, you know, it, I challenge you to buy a Dell Ubuntu machine and call the from the consumer site and call the support line and watch as the lady's head explodes. Yeah. Hmm. Right. You call System76, hmm. it's all they sell. Right, so you're saying you're saying that the Pop OS strategy in your case could actually work if you end up, uh, you know, loading this on different hardware, and you really like. Well, I already it. did on a Dell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you really like it, then you may act. This may actually drive a laptop sale in the future for you. Well, it's an incentive, right? So if it, so, let, let's fast forward to like the end of the year, right? Yeah, at the end okay. of the year, mm-hmm. assuming I. You know, don't lose a tremendous amount of money. <laughs> Assuming you're still spend. in business. <laughs> right. Like, that's when you want to do purchases, right? Yeah, like yeah. Generally. Get in that tax window. And someone's going to say, hey, why don't you sell your laptop and buy a new one? Okay. If I'm using Pop, I'm probably going to almost exclusively look at theirs. Because I, 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 hate, I hate the process of buying Windows hardware, loading Linux on it, having to go on, like, the IRC or Telegram, and having people say, hey, dumbass, didn't you know that, you know, that exact model of AMD won't work till the next kernel version? Like, no, I don't know that. And why the f- should I know that, right? Like, <laughs> and, and then Dell being like, oh, well, you loaded a different operating system, so right. we're sending it back to you, which is exactly what happened. So, because I failed to reinstall Windows 10 on it when I sent it to them. So I got stuck with that Optiplex. But actually, guess what? I got the Mac Pro that I wanted. It's the Dell Optiplex running Pop OS, <laughs> and I'm happy. Huh. So, right. shove it, Apple. All right, all right. I will. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry, but yeah, I'll make my case. Although you are surprisingly convincing me, I didn't. I didn't think you were going to do it, but well, uh, so I'm just trying to get my job done, right? Yeah. I don't care. Like, I don't care about the distro wars. Mm-mm. I'm sure Elementary's fabulous. In fact, don't they employ the Elementary guy? Yeah, Cassidy. Cassidy, right? Yeah, 
He's one of the elementary contributors. I mean, Fedora's uh, wonderful, but I don't yeah. want to reinstall every two months. No, that's fair, actually. I can't. I really can't argue with anything that you just said. That all actually makes a lot of sense to me. So uh, I, I will attempt to give you my position, but um, I like where you're coming at with this. I really like where your head's at, and the fact is you're, you're, uh, you've thought it through, and it does seem like it could have a lot of long-time potential upside, but I'll give you my case. First, I'm going to mention DigitalOcean, do.co slash coder. Go there to get a $100 credit when you sign up with a new account. This is a big deal because you can build applications on DigitalOcean in seconds and a $100 credit will last you forever. It's a great opportunity to play with their mix and match droplets, a flexible droplet plan. It's about $15 a month. You choose the CPU, the memory, the disk, whatever is best for your application. You mix and match. You got a rocking system. You can get deployed in production in less than 55 seconds. Or if you want to do some testing or some learning, DigitalOcean is perfect for that. I run a couple of DO droplets just for myself, personal droplets, NextCloud, and things like IRC backend servers. And uh, we have a, a, then a whole fleet of DigitalOcean droplets for Jupyter Broadcasting, Mumble servers, and streaming systems, and audio servers, and syncing servers, and backup RTMP servers, and backup website servers, and backup download servers. I mean, it's, it's incredible because... In less than 55 seconds, you'll have an entire system. Whatever resource level you need, you can get it deployed. It's a one-click to get the entire OS with the application, say like uh, Ubuntu LTS with Nginx uh, or uh, Ubuntu, my, what, oh, my go-to, Ubuntu LTS 16.04 right now, but it'll be 18.04 soon with Docker installed from the official Docker repositories with the correct keys installed so everything is signed, good to go. Good to go. In 55 seconds, you've got an LTS system with Docker ready for you to just load something off of Docker Hub. And it, it, I, I go from no system at all. In two minutes and 30 seconds, I've got an entire application running and I'm hitting it on the web. And whatever you're doing, it's like that. And then if you ever get stuck, they've got great support and great documentation. So go try it out. Do.co slash coder. Get a $100 credit if it's a new account and play around. My favorite system is just three cents an hour. So I think that $100 credit will get you pretty far. Do.co slash coder. Thanks, DigitalOcean, for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Uh, so I had a realization that I like new and shiny on some of my systems, but then there's systems that I want to be incredibly boring, really boring. I'd even consider never updating them if it was practical, but of course that never works out. And so uh, I, I've been trying different stuff um, really for about a year to the day, a year and about three weeks. Just, I don't know. Uh, we, we started out with Arch and Gnome and we've tried a whole bunch of different things. Right. If, if people want the whole story, they can listen to Linux Unplugged. But uh, <clears throat> at the end of this year, I started having people in the different communities um, kind of come to me and say, hey, I think there's something going on here that you might want to take a look at. You might like this because I know some of the problems you've had recently because, you know, I was I was grousing on Linux Unplugged. And, and what essentially people were telling me was, take a look at Kubuntu. Now, mind you, I've never been a Kubuntu user. In fact, uh, I've always kind of yeah. thought of it as being the least attractive of the Ubuntu flavors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and Plasma, you know, Plasma Desktop is fine, you know, um... But the last Kubuntu LTS was based on Plasma 5.5, which was not a solid release. So I just had a bad impression. However, to the Plasma developer's credit, 
since 5.5, every single version of the desktop has gotten progressively better, uses less memory, more stable, more polished, better themes, better art, better icons, better menus, better defaults. Boom, 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 boom. And they've started now that they've got to that point releasing LTS versions of the desktop and of Qt. So with Kubuntu 18.04, the stars and the planets all lined up. And you've got a base Ubuntu LTS with an LTS kernel as well. Then you've got LTS Qt framework. Then you've got LTS Plasma desktop on top of that. So from top to bottom, the entire stack is LTS. And in Kubuntu's case, that's three years. Three years of the same Qt version. Three years of the same desktop environment. Three years of the same base Ubuntu OS 18.04. Uh, and that's also at the time when the Plasma desktop is faster and uses less resources than some of the other uh, desktops like GNOME. And it's also my third or fourth go of trying Plasma. So I've kind of learned all the shit I got to change to make it usable for me. And now I've kind of internalized all of that. And so I'm, I'm more receptive to using the UI and it's sort of lined up with this whole LTS thing. And so we decided to test it at Linux Fest Northwest because if we are going to break anything, it's during the two-day shit show that is Linux sure, Fest when you're Northwest. you're on the road. Yeah, right. it's That's bad. When it breaks every yeah. year. Every year it breaks. Not this year. Really? Not this year. This year, this year, it was so easy that uh, Chase, who was running the board, was actually playing pinball on his laptop during the live streams because there was just nothing for him to yes. fix. Yeah. It was so, like, okay. So, so, what do you attribute that? I mean, that's a dramatic change huge. from last year. I attribute it mostly to Pulse Audio, OBS, and the Plasma Desktop all kind of having multiple years of iteration now. And okay. we started using them early, and now they've been around for a while. And I think it's a solid 1804 release. I think 1804 absolutely played a part of that. And you combine it with with a pretty stable stack. And I, I don't know. I, I think Kubuntu is a really, really professional grade workstation. If you liked Windows 7, as if, say we we're going to take Windows 7 and the last, all the years since Windows 7 were just like cool advancements of Windows 7, like we, we, totally redoing the file manager, totally changing the modularity of the desktop, adding cool notification drawer support, and just all these things you could ever possibly dream of. And you put it into Plasma, and then you take about two years now of, well, how do we make that look better? How do we make that default a bit better? How do we sure. tweak that theme? How do we get a better icon there? How do we get high DPI support a little bit better? And it's 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 close. It's, it's really getting there. I still have about a two-day got-to-change-all-the-defaults process that I go through, but it's, it's getting better. It's getting a lot better. And I've got it now running... On so I've got it. I've got five systems in front of me, six total inside this room, a seventh upstairs, and they're all solid. They're all super I, I, solid. I have three questions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Four, but one's just preliminary to clarify because something you said I think was confusing for the audience. So this <laughs> call this index zero. You were used. Everything was running on KDE uh, or uh, Kubuntu. So no Mac. That's what I mean. No mm -hmm, Mac. No Mac. Linux Fest Northwest. Right. Okay. So first question, are, does this put you out of the market for a Mac Pro and iMac? Is it possible for you to do everything you want now on Linux? It's getting really, really, really close because I'm okay. doing a lot less video. If I start up another big video project, I derail that progress. But yeah, yeah, I'm also experimenting wow. with replacing a couple of the Adobe tools, and uh, that's going pretty well, too. 
Now, why do you think video is the roadblock? Um, it's pretty hard for me to replace Final Cut, especially if I'm doing. Okay, so it's, so it's a it's a tool chain issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but there are uh, competitors. So there's just been a, there just uh, this week. I covered it in Linux Action News 51. There was a large GIMP update that added the ability to read attributes from Photoshop files that GIMP did not previously have, which means some of the old oh, art assets. Really? Yeah, it's nice. Some of the old art assets that we could not open in GIMP before are now openable. I don't know if that means I'm going to use it, but I'm going to experiment. And then during all of this reload, uh, I swapped out Audition, which is my multi-track audio editing tool for something called Reaper, which runs on Linux. It doesn't require a Creative Cloud subscription either, which is a nice perk. And I'm giving that a go for editing this week. On Plasma. So the only thing you're saying that seems a little like makes my skin crawl is that you you have two days of changing things to make it usable that see that that mm-hmm. would have passed the mustard for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i do think that it's it's two days of like not uh constant changes but like i open up the console and i realize oh i like the fonts a little bigger you know i open up dolphin which is the file manager and i realize right. i prefer the tree layout versus large icons you know like there's just like you know so but this is like stuff you would do on a mac theory oh yeah 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. right okay yeah. so it's not like you have to no, no, radically modify things to yeah. to okay. No, no, it's nothing too weird. It, it it'd be it'd be really pretty much with the exception of GNOME three. It's pretty much like that for everything. GNOME three, I just have to load a few extensions. You know, GNOME three is pretty good. It's pretty good. You just got to load a couple extensions to make it good all the way. I, I like Spotify, <laughs> which I th- I think uses the GNOME extensions. It looks like it does. Yeah, well, it uses the media thing where it can come up in there. Yeah, that's nice, uh, right? It's nice. But yeah. Plasma will support that as well. Um. So is this the year of the Linux desktop? Is that what we're saying? Can we declare it? Can we throw the flag into the... I really was, you know, you know me, a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, this is not looking good. I'm having a lot of troubles. I'm having a lot of stability issues. Uh, I could live, I could hang out here for three years. I could absolutely hang out here, let Wayland figure itself out, let all that stuff kind of get settled, see where Gnome goes, see what how, how all this canonical IPO stuff shakes out. I could totally hang here for three years. And I feel oh, yeah, like... That, that is the 800-pound uh, the, the, uh, gorilla, right? Canonical is filing for an IPO. Yeah. And you know what was awesome is uh, we had we had everything all set up, and all of a sudden one of the machines started crashing. And, of course, it was our broadcast machine. So the live stream started crashing. Our live stream recording started getting interrupted. We're like, oh, we just went through all this work, and now we're having stability issues. What's going on? Well, we dug into it and realized we had a bad power supply. But at that point, we were kind of getting worried about the installation because we started having like weird application errors too. And we weren't sure about data corruption. So we had, we sat around and we're like, for like a good two hours, we're like, wow, man, what do we get? Do we kind of go buy new hardware and replace this machine? Like, what are we going to do so we know this is 100% reliable? It runs 24-7. And if it has an issue, that means the show doesn't get done. So we want it to be 100% reliable. We kicked it around. And then, we, and then we, you, know, we, you know what we could do? We said to each other, me and Noah, you know what we could do? We could just swap the drives from the machine I have upstairs as my workstation. It's the same exact identical build. It's just got a it's got a like a better video card, and you just take the discs out. You you just put them out. Take the NVMe drives out. Put them in the other one. Swap them, and you set it down. You boot it up, and everything works. There's no weird like reactivation of licenses that Windows might have. Mm-hmm. There's like I don't you know like I didn't have like uh, one version of macOS on this machine and another version of macOS on this machine because you know can't update to the new uh, High Sierra. You know, none of that. None of that. It just the machines didn't care. The OS didn't care. And it that um, 
abstraction away from the hardware. It's I don't give a shit about the product. I don't need it to be a trash can. I don't need it to be a beautiful iMac. I just need it to be very, very fast and have a lot of disc. And I put it under my table and I never look at it. Ever. Preach it, brother. And it was so nice. Black box, that's all I want. It was so nice not to have to worry about any of that. And this having this, you know, generic workstation grade desktop environment on top of a workstation grade Linux OS was really, really good and very empowering for where we were at because we went from having a major problem to solving it. And it was, you know, minutes to solve the problem. I I really think if I if I stay out of video which I don't know if I'm going to be able to. But if I stay out of video, I really think I would not need a Mac at all in my life anymore. And I really would be very happy. It's not even like a compromise that I'm finally achieving. It's I would really enjoy this. I have, I mean, I have a lot of plasma in front of me right now, and I'm very happy about it. Yeah, no, next week I'm going to try to record on uh, Pop, and I think it's going to be Where fun. is this going to go? Where is, yeah, as long as you can install Chrome, really, that's all you right. really need, right? I mean, that's the fun. As heard on last episode, right? <laughs> Damn it, he went back to that. How do we do that? All right, well, I do have, we, we should move on. We have many more things, right. actually, to get to, including uh, some random arse tweets by you, but also, uh, I had a chat with some blokes from Microsoft a couple of weeks ago, and Those I'd love to... Poor bastards. Yeah, I, you're telling me. I'd love, to, I'd love to share with you what they told me, and then uh, maybe a bit more on our uh, development desktop topic, but... Let's take a moment and thank Linux Academy for sponsoring this episode of Coda Radio. I was just having a chat with the folks from Linux Academy on Friday about coming down to visit. I don't know if it's going to materialize yet. They're down in Tejas, and they're doing a bunch of live streaming. And I said, guys, uh, we just crushed it with Linux Fest. We've really got something dialed in here. Would you be interested in the Jupiter Broadcasting treatment? Would you like us to come down there and get this all nailed down for you? And it may happen. We may we may one day be doing a Coda Radio from the offices of Linux Academy. I don't know. It's all in the early days, but I love it. They're so passionate about this stuff. And that is what I get excited about. And they just released a whole bunch of new content. Uh, it, it really is just nonstop at Linux Academy. And they've got these real hands-on labs. They deploy a real environment, then you take that scenario-based lab and they'll spin it up. If it's on AWS, Azure, if it's just a standard Linux course, or you want to learn some OpenStack. And then to supplement all of this, something I haven't mentioned, but don't forget, they've also got the Scale Your Code interviews. You may remember me talking about those. They're all still available online. You can learn from people that have solved real problems in the industry. There's over 1,200 hours of in-depth video content, plus there's labs, flashcard contents, hands-on training, and instructor mentoring whenever you need it. You may have heard these ads before and have never pulled the trigger. Now's the time. linuxacademy.com slash coders. That's the one that has an S. linuxacademy.com slash coders. You support the show and you sign up for a free seven-day trial and go check out 70-plus new courses, challenges, and learning activities that have been Slam down into Linux Academy. Man, they're hustling these days. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring this here Coder a Radio a program. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Now we move on in the program, Mr. Dominic. I feel good. I feel like you and I just sort of had came to a new understanding. I like your Pop OS. I think you understand where I'm coming at with the Kubuntu thing. Like we're coming to a new piece. Maybe we're we finally done. We found the good news of Tux. Assuming, and by the way, it will never be done. <laughs> yeah, assuming assuming this doesn't blow up on our face, which of course it will. Oh, damn it. Oh. Damn it. 
that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Well, so you've been pretty busy on the tweeters besides just reloading machines and talking with Paul Therott. Uh So I got busy talking uh, with uh, some folks on Microsoft and it actually ended up uh, leading to a phone call. And uh, to their credit... Are you, are you leaving us for the mothership? Is that what's happening? <laughs> no, it's just I had to wrap my head around this Azure Sphere OS thing. You know, like, what? <laughs> Microsoft is shipping a Linux kernel now? I mean, that is really weird. It was only a matter of time. Yeah, that's what that's what a lot of folks have said, I suppose. I just, I couldn't get it. I couldn't, I couldn't really grok it. Um, so uh, I ended up getting to talk with um, one of the individuals, I think that's primarily responsible for the entire project. And um, it sounded like it really came down to a few things. Number one, an OS that was best suited for real-time operating system type tasks on really, really low resources devices. You know, think a hairdryer with a digital display. Um, and then arranging to more sophisticated IoT devices. And then there was also the fact that people are are like experimenting in like the like the skunk works of these different companies. And when they're experimenting, they're not grabbing the Windows source code off of uh, kernel.org and then building their apps against that and their devices. They're grabbing the Linux source code because that's what they can get their hands on. They don't have to call up some, some suit and uh, get a license. They don't have to have some sort of business agreement, some sharing code agreement. They just go... They just go check out the code. And uh, I, they, Microsoft basically, in my conversation with them, said, in not so many words, that they can't really get around that fact. They can't get around the fact that the Linux source code is just available for you to grab and start building against anytime you want. And so what's happening is companies are getting, you know, half a mile down the road with these projects and then looking around. Well, how are we actually going to make this sustainable? How are we going to update it? How are we going to get telemetry back on crashes and things like that? And they don't have an answer. But they're not going with anything that Azure or Microsoft can do because it's not built on Windows. And they were, they've been watching this, and they said they were working on this thing for four years, adding in different components the entire time, planning to build it off of Linux because of this problem. That was something I hadn't even considered. You know, the lazy developer factor. They just want to grab the code and start working. All right. They don't want to worry about talking to the lawyers. What did you think, though, when you saw Microsoft shipping a Linux OS? Now, you really were not surprised at all. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Come on, um, come on. I have to say I wasn't that surprised only because I've also had some dealings in a much less public way with them. And all roads lead to Azure billings. Yes. Right. It does. So I, I honestly, yeah. yep. and, and this ties into my tweets with Paul Therott. I, I, I think the fellows at Microsoft are fine people. But it's clear to me that Linux, Windows, Mac, God forbid BSD, it's fine. Business? Long, long, right, as long as you're using something from Azure. Yeah. Which this will. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, that's the in best fact, part. You have to. Yeah. It, yeah, well, it really the is the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, it's, it's, it's got this whole um, telemetry, monitoring, and secure update channel that. Uh, so when you read the press releases, you'll see that Microsoft has said that it's it's a Linux core with uh, the security th- lessons that they've learned with Windows built in. So I had to know what those were. And I said, what are those? What are those lessons? And it, it, it sounds like it's a few things, but the things that mattered the most to me were uh, the way they slipstream updates to Windows um, and the way that they do crash collections, like the Dr. Watson of today, where it collects yeah. crashes and submits it back. Those are very, very um, underutilized, underserved aspects of the IoT market right now. Well, and, and I, 
You know, for me, this is really interesting because Microsoft, uh, which they now call Azure IoT, and uh, Microsoft, what used to be called Windows Embedded, is actually a pretty powerful development platform. And I can see a world where it makes economic sense um, because there won't be that Windows tax, right, for folks to develop their next great IoT project, uh, their next great sensor using Azure Spheres, and they just get all this telemetry and crash reporting for free and the security guarantee that is, you know, that goes along with Microsoft. Mm-hmm. I know for our audience that might not mean a lot, but in the enterprise, the the Microsoft stamp of approval still does carry quite a lot of weight, yeah. as does the Linux Tux. Yeah. So the, the marriage of the two is I know. It's, it's so clever on their part. It's really cunning. And uh, they can build on what's what Microsoft is super well known for, like Azure services, metric collection, shipping updates, working with companies at a business to business level. They can they, they it leverages all of that stuff that they have a good reputation for and completely leverages all the stuff Linux has a good reputation for. And and totally like if this was based around uh, Windows IoT or whatever they would call it, it would be a dud. It would be a dud. But now it is based around Linux. We're talking about this weeks later. It's still something people are chewing on, still actively commenting on. And it is clearly because of the marriage of these two best of things. And I, in a way, after talking to them, I'm like, yeah, I think only really Microsoft is going to solve this. Because Microsoft can sit back and say, we don't care. We can be an implementation detail. Sure. We're part of your product. We don't have to be the product. Right. Our label doesn't. But, but let me let me let me slow you down just a little. Right. So the beauty, the value of Windows IoT or Windows Embedded, which are, I know are technically two different offerings, but Windows IoT is basically uh, replaced. Right. Yeah. Windows Embedded is that you can develop in Visual Studio using Microsoft tools, um, which comes with a bunch of pre-built libraries that really help you if you're using supported hardware. I will bet you. I will bet you a beer that that same framework and compatibility will work on this Azure on this Azure Spheres platform. Hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. Why not? Too right. Why I, not? That's that. That is actually their advantage. Yeah. Right. That. Why they, not? They, for better or for worse. I mean, this is my opinion. I know people are going to email. They right now have the best development environment and the best. Um, Frankly, development platform for these embedded type. I I, I hate the term IoT because it's such Me a too. buzzword. I know. I prefer it. Really, is just embedded development, but for these type of IoT devices, and you get the, the Microsoft stamp again for, for your for your customer. So, yeah, you know, and you're gonna you can you can say yeah, well, we built it on top of that platform there for Microsoft. So you know, it could even be a it could even be. I got yeah. Actually, the more I think about it. It could even be a selling point. If I knew that um, some smart platform device that I got was being supported via Azure Sphere OS, I actually would feel better about that because then I know they've got a 10-year update channel supported and maintained by Microsoft, which is the number one thing I hate about IoT devices right now is that they're abandonware, essentially. And then they just become little security vulnerabilities that are just waiting to be exploited. Yeah, the the commercial space is uh, awful. Now, um, this this probably, if you think about it, is just the beginning, really, of this kind of thing. I bet you there are more shoes to drop. Look, look at the full context of it. You have .NET Core that comes out. You have Visual Studio Code that comes out. You have PowerShell Core that comes out. You've got Windows up on GitHub. Um, 
there is this, and then now we have this Azure Sphere OS. There is this building and building and building of momentum. And in each individual case, what I think is important for us to remember here is that they represent about three or four years of work in each case behind the scenes. Like to them, to the folks at Microsoft, they were surprised that anybody gave a shit that Linux was baked into this thing. They legitimately were taken taken by surprise. They didn't think anybody was going to think that was a big deal because it's the Azure team. And the Azure team has a lot of Linux running on Azure. They're working with Linux every single day. They've already got a switch OS that's based on Linux at, in the Azure services. So to them, to the guys I was talking to in the Azure team, they already live eat and breathe Linux every single day. And they didn't understand why this was a surprise to anybody on the outside. I mean, I think they do, but at the time they were still like, when I talked to them, it was day of announcement. They were still very surprised that anybody cared. And we're like, well, we want right. you to understand the Linux part is just part of a three-part strategy here. I'm like, yeah, I understand. You're also shipping Linux. Um, and to them, it's like, well, of course we are. That's what we've been working with now for years. My point here is, I think there's many more things they're going to drop from Microsoft in this regard. I don't think, I don't think we're done. No, I, I, I don't think we're done by a long shot. Oh, boy. Well, okay. Good. Well, there you go. We have a link if you want to know more about uh, Azure Sphere OS in the show notes, coder.show slash 307. It really is just a weird, strange, long evolution uh, of, of a lot of this stuff that we've been covering for quite a while. I don't know. I don't know what else to make of it. I think that's probably, we can probably leave it there, I suppose, you know. I don't think there's probably much more to, to really. Yeah, I don't think there's there. much more. I mean, the, these aren't shipping yet, so we'll have to see. Yeah, there's going to be dev kits that'll hook up over USB. Yeah, and, and that will be super cool. Yeah, that will be. I wonder. I wonder how. I wonder what it'll take to get your hands on one. If it wasn't that much, would you try one? Would you mess around with it? If it was, oh yeah, useful? So just buy one. Yeah, I would. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you're going to be able to just buy one initially, though. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's. Mm. I don't know. Uh, it sounds like they were pretty hot to try. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. All right, we'll see. We'll that, see. I mean, I, that, that would be something I would definitely want to do. Yeah. Now, if we were going to do uh, anything else in this episode, uh, it would definitely be mentioning the subreddit. We haven't really given it much love recently. CoderRadio.reddit.com. I check it before we start every single podcast of the Coder Radio program to see if anybody has any feedback. CoderRadio.show is our coder.show is also like a great resource for links or subscribing or anything like that. Coder.show. I should, I should just really get both because I always say coderadio.show. So I really should just I should just get both and forward them to the same place because I always mess that up. Uh, and if you haven't checked it out uh, in a little while, uh, go subscribe. Grab the audio version of this show, which now includes uh, podcast chapter markers and uh, all of that goodness, which make it easy to jump around for the topics that you care about. And last but not least, we'd love to read a whole batch of your emails if you go over to coder.show slash contact. Mr. Dominic, before we wrap up, is there any other topics or uh, things we want to send to people? You know, things to mention, those kinds of things. No, follow me at at Tumanuku on Twitter and be sure to ask Chris about his HomePod. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. Best podcast playback speaker ever. <laughs> there. That's my review, as long as you like it in mono. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I think that'd be about it. That and uh, join the airplay revolution. Bluetooth must die, my friends. Down with the Bluetooth! Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Coda Radio Program. Actually, this isn't just this week's. Surprise, surprise, if uh, you haven't heard 306, that also came out recently. So you may have been squashed in the podcast dimension. So go get all of our shows at coder.show slash subscribe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you right back here 
next week.